This is Rewired Radio with Erica Spiegelman, addiction and wellness specialist, motivational speaker, and author, helping individuals, couples, and families regain a sense of control, leading to personal growth, wellness, and a more fulfilling life. Here's Erica Spiegelman. Welcome, everyone. Well, we've talked about this many times, and we all know about the horrifying opioid crisis that's going on in our country. But the silent crisis uh, many of us may be unaware of is that the fact that birth parents with addiction issues are often unable to raise their own children. And in many cases, uh, over probably 3,000 right now in this country, their parents their parents are raising them, so the grandparents. And my guest today, Dr. Andrew Addisman, is the author of the Grand Family Guidebook, which offers practical, inspiring tips and advice on how to cope with difficult birth parents, the legal, financial, and medical issues that come up, and, and most importantly, how to enjoy this gift of, of life and caring for the babies and the children in a different way. So, Dr. Addisman, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you with me today. Uh, thank you for inviting me, Erica. Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I, I don't know how much you know about me, but um, I, I facilitate groups at different treatment centers in Los Angeles. I wrote a book called Rewired, which is all about recovery. So I'm on the front lines, um, and I see this so much with tons of my clients um, that they are, um, you know, they, they have been in you know, addiction for quite some time. They have children very young. They can't, they can't care for these kids. And so their parents and extended family um, winds up taking care of them. Can you talk to us a little bit about your work uh, with this demographic? Of course. Um, well, first of all, uh, you know, the number of uh, grandparents who are raising grandchildren is just yeah. under 3 million in this country. So you're oh, talking million. about... Uh, Three million, yeah. <clears throat> about two point seven million uh, grandparents who are the primary caretakers or guardians for their uh, grandchildren, um, where their parents don't have primary responsibility. Uh, mm -hmm. In terms of that, you know, uh, almost three million uh, figure. It's not only uh, cases of addiction or substance abuse. There can be instances of you know child mental abuse illness. or neglect for other reasons. It could be mental illness, just as you said. It could be medical issues for a parent, you know, motor vehicle accident, then deaths. It could even be possibly extended deployment in terms of military. Mm -hmm. um, so, but the bottom line is, <clears throat> sorry, the, the bottom line is that yeah. we have millions of children being raised by millions of grandparents. And oftentimes when this happens, it's not premeditated or planned. It comes mm -hmm. up. Uh, unexpectedly, whether, uh, you know, someone's suddenly incarcerated, somebody, you know, uh, overdose, and, and as I'm sure your listeners know, the overdose statistics uh, continue to rise uh, related yeah. to opioids, primarily synthetic opioids. And so, uh, you know, we had a record high number of uh, drug overdose deaths in 2016, and that number was exceeded in 2017. The most recent wow. figures were 72,000 yeah. uh, deaths in the United States in just one year. And so, you know, you've got... Unfortunately, this you know very very uh, you know widespread you know opioid epidemic uh, mm -hmm. uh, contributing heavily to uh, the number of children uh, being uh, placed in a kinship care uh, uh, setting. So that most mm -hmm. typically it's the grandparents, although sometimes it's other family members who are stepping in and trying to do right by the the, the children. Yeah, and it's you know it's it's really difficult for um, you know my my clients who are recovering or in the process of recovering and they come to these centers um, from you know different states and and leaving behind and, and they're and they are young leaving behind one to two children and you know um, some of them give birth and you know 
they have drugs in their system. And so there's, there's a lot of emotional, obviously issues going on, on top of the fact that they're physically addicted to these drugs. Um, and so, you know, we're trying to kind of face the, the emotional and mental and spiritual uh, healing as well so that they can uh, forgive themselves, move past the shame, um, reconnect with family. All of this takes time and to reestablish trust is a whole nother level. So I know you wrote a book called the grand family guidebook. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, their tips in there? Is there advice on how to cope and uh, you know, who, who's the audience there? Is this for the, the recovering people yeah. or the, yeah. The, uh, the full title for the book, and I think it's uh, you know helpful in response to your question, is it's the Grand Family yeah. Guidebook, uh, Wisdom and Support for Grandparents mm. Raising Grandchildren. So the book is oh, really yeah. intended for mm-hmm. grandparents uh, who find themselves uh, raising their grandchildren. It doesn't have to be infants. It can be older children as well. And mm-hmm. we provide guidance around you know the myriad issues that come up. So there's yeah. the emotional issues and, and, and how to, you know, for grandparents to try to align uh, priorities and, and navigate what can sometimes be somewhat treacherous waters, uh, yeah. depending on you know where the children, whether whether the, the young, whether the grandchildren's parents or the the children of the uh, the grandparents, um, you know what their relationship is and what their level of function is. Uh, oftentimes, mm-hmm. everyone recognizes it's the best thing for uh, young children to be raised by the grandparents in this circumstance, but that's not always the case. Uh, right. Certainly, kinship care—a kinship care where ch- uh, a young child is placed with another family member, grandparents, aunts, uncles, or the like—is often best. And and the reason is because it keeps the child uh, connected with the family. It, it's hope- hopefully the the easiest and best way for the natural parents, one or both natural parents, to uh, continue to also stay involved in terms of broader family function. And then hopefully mm-hmm. also there's just sort of a natural love because of that, you know, biological connection in terms of, what, and especially course. when it comes to a grandparent's love for their grandchild. So so kinship mm-hmm. care and uh, grandparents taking care of grandchildren uh, can be rewarding for grandparents. It can often be the best thing for the child, but mm-hmm. there are many challenges, and there can be challenges around finances. There are some legal mm-hmm. challenges, emotional challenges. Um, and uh, in uh, our book, the Grand Family Guidebook, you know, we provide uh, some help and advice and support uh, for grandparents in this situation uh, across all those elements in terms of legal, medical, emotional, yeah. et cetera. That's wonderful. I mean, it's it's, it's so needed. I, I wish that. I wish that these books were um, in, in every center around here because we do so many family sessions and there's tons of families that come through. So that would be fantastic. And and also, I feel like a lot of the times um, these family members um, and, you know, and the like or whoever's taking care of, of the kids don't necessarily have all uh the education that they need in terms of setting boundaries and understanding what enabling is and, you know, and, and these basic kind of therapeutic terms, which, you know, sometimes people just have never had access to, to understanding, uh, you know, behavioral therapy and those kinds of things. So I do think um, it's wonderful to be able to shed some light for them on what, what enabling is and how, you know, and really what what sometimes the life of uh, addiction looks like because so many so so many times I see family members just just pleading and wanting their their family member back and the way you know and and a miracle to kind of happen and that's not what really occurs it takes time and it takes patience and it takes a lot of um you know compassion and 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 setting boundaries is a healthy thing for for all parties yeah. Um, well, it's, uh, I should mention, you know, I've co-authored this book with Christine Adamek, and 
Uh, this is the second book I've actually done uh, with Chris. Our first book also focused on adoptive parenting, but uh, Chris mm-hmm. actually brings a very, very you know personal perspective in terms of this book. So she's a you know a medical writer and a self help writer, mm-hmm. uh, and has written about a, a myriad topics. Um, but this is really personal for her because she's actually adopted her grandson, and uh-huh. um, wow. <clears throat> her son you know had substance use issues, and therefore she and her husband Christine and her husband stepped in and assumed uh, responsibility and have adopted their grandson. And so mm-hmm. uh, she speaks firsthand and, and right. uh, you know, and her experience has informed the book. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, even, you know, when we were writing it and, you know, and, and Chris would talk about, you know, just as you, you address the issue and concern about enabling, yeah. you know, and we make the point in the book that, you know, at this point when a grandparent takes over responsibility for uh, raising that grandchild, uh, that grandchild in some ways has to sort of to be first priority. And, and that doesn't mean you ignore the needs uh, of the, right, of the right. uh, grandparents, uh, of the child's pa- the grandchild's parents. But, but on the other hand, um, you know, if there's a conflict, then certainly uh, the young child, you know, in some ways oftentimes will take pre- uh, precedence or priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and that may see like they're being shut out or, you know, there's, there's always issues that come up around all of this. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I'm, you know, I'm seven months pregnant myself. So I, I, it's interesting for me at, at, you know, a older age to be pregnant, not older age, but older than these, these younger people that I am seeing, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, and, and it, and it really is something where I feel like a lot of these younger people don't necessarily understand the consequences that come up for, um, for the whole family and, and, and kind of the way in which, like you said, everyone's lives change unexpectedly. And with those unexpected changes, I think comes a lot of added stress and a lot of added anxiety around, um, how is this going to play out? How is this going to unfold? And I know you speak to just learning how to enjoy it and learning how to see this like as a gift and, and kind of what I like to call reframing the situation mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. so it, you know, do you do you recommend people to seek therapy or seek help or counseling or some kind of support in, in terms of a community, or even to see a doctor like yourself to, to in order to to kind of understand that we do have the opportunity to mentally look at this as an adventure with curiosity instead of with panic and fear because I think a lot of the families I see have this deep fear and and it really starts to resonate and affect the children, which is not you know the best case. <clears throat> So actually, I can speak to that uh, very specifically. Yeah. You know, one of the things that that we included within uh, the Grand Family Guidebook were the results of a research study that I had done, and it's one of the largest mm-hmm. done to date. We had reached out to uh, grandparents raising grandchildren throughout the country, and we got responses from approximately 700 uh, grandparents raising wow. grandchildren. We asked them about we asked them about their experience across many That's different uh, questions and elements. But one of the things that we asked at the end was, you know, uh, you know, overall, did they think they would did the right thing, and how did they feel, and did they regret their decision? Mm-hmm. And you know, unanimously, unanimously, all the grandparents, you know, despite the That's challenges, wonderful. despite the mm-hmm. change in lifestyle, despite possibly the alienation from their 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 peer group of other retirees or empty right. nesters, despite any health, uh, physical or mental health uh, issues that they're dealing with and, and have to overcome to be a parent once again. They all felt good about their decision, and I think that that's really uh, most important. That they thought they were doing the right thing; they were making a huge difference in the in the life of their grandchild or grandchildren, mm-hmm. and so there really weren't regrets. That said, 
Yeah. We also know, both from my study and, and other studies as well, that, that uh, grandparents raising grandchildren, they don't have the supports. Uh, they, they feel that they would benefit from support. And so I think that, you know, there's different ways that they can get support. And uh, in the book, we go to great pains to identify both um, uh, online support groups and way to find them, as well as uh, local support groups. And so... Uh, kinship care, grandparents raising grandchildren can look to both uh, online support groups and local groups as well. Mm-hmm. And then there's also supports, not just in terms of, uh, let's say, you know, lay or, or uh, uh, in a group setting, but just even knowing about the insurance uh, coverage and other benefits that might uh, be entitled, uh, that they might be entitled to. And so we talk a lot about uh, some of the financial benefits and programs that are there to support children in, in a kinship care placement. And I think that uh, if they need professional help and they need to see a social worker or a psychologist individually, they, they should, you know, reach out to those professionals and hopefully also take full advantage of all the different financial supports. A website that your listeners uh, should know yeah. about because it's a, yeah, a sort of a, a nice one-stop shop uh, would be raisingyourgrandchild.org, uh, raisingyourgrandchild.org. Oh, and there they can, uh, of course, find out a little bit more information about the book. But more importantly, there's also links to lots of sites where they can get information uh, about benefits that they're entitled to, as well as in terms of support groups. So raisingyourgrandchild.org is, is what I would recommend. Fantastic. No, thank you. I, I We appreciate that. that um information it's it's so it's so nice for, for people to understand that there are these uh, communities out there and sometimes you just feel totally lost and especially people that may not be the most digitally savvy and uh, are sitting on a computer all day long you know having something mm-hmm. specific is really important too um, I just wanted to ask you know I know that you or what I believe you you work on some um, you know neurodevelopmental issues in in terms of like with with babies and things like that. Are you seeing that um, there is uh, babies that are born with uh, opioid in their system and, and what is their recovery process like? And is this is this something that is discussed uh, often? Because I see that, D, uh, you know, the Department of Ch- Child Services steps in a lot with some of the clients that I see and um, right off the bat, I mean, they're, you know, at birth. So do you, do you have any uh, experience around that? Sure. Uh, so first of all, it's a it's a fairly complicated issue, and, yeah. and I, the reason for that is, uh, you know, in some instances there's been sort of fear mongering, and so mm-hmm. for example, you know, for listeners who are older and you remember sort of you know talking about the crack epidemic and crack babies, mm-hmm. and it turns out you know the nightmarish uh, scenario in terms of the developmental or behavioral outcome for children exposed prenatally to cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't anywhere as bad overall, overall, as mm-hmm. it was originally depicted back in the 80s. Now, is okay. that to say that uh, prenatal exposure to cocaine is completely benign? The answer is no. We we know that okay. as with alcohol, yeah. as with um, uh, other substances, other. that there can be developmental consequences. We know that ADHD, for example, for prenatal exposure... Uh, to cocaine is uh, is, a, is a known consequence, and so yes, these kids can be a little bit more uh, hyperactive. Uh, mm-hmm. it, I uh, will be publishing and uh, presenting some results next month at a national meeting where we looked mm-hmm. at 
some data from the CDC, so it's even better data than what I uh, had gathered on my own, where mm-hmm. we did find that, you know, children in kinship care placements, children uh, who are being raised by their grandparents, you know, have a higher incidence of ADHD and, and can be a little bit more challenging in terms of their temperament. That said, in that same study, we also found that the grandparents felt good about uh, the job they were doing and felt comfortable and they didn't differ actually from uh, a parent comparison group. So, so I think that there's sort of a, a reaffirming message, but we do know that these are children at risk for developmental behavioral problems. Yeah. And the one last point, um, because I did say it was a complicated question, is that when we have uh, mothers uh, using uh, one or more substances during pregnancy, it's often not just a single thing. So you may have uh, a mom with, you know, opioid addiction problems, but that same mom, you know, maybe smoking cigarettes extensively, right. maybe drinking right. alcohol, maybe that. taking other drugs of abuse. And mm-hmm. so, so it, it's seldom just a single exposure. And that's why sometimes teasing out the effects of specific exposures can be a little tricky, but we do know, uh, you know, cocaine has consequences. We know that, uh, cigarettes and alcohol can have consequences. Uh, the opioids themselves, uh, the biggest consequence for opioid-exposed uh, children is really the withdrawal period. Um, and I think mm-hmm. the greatest impact is in the short term. And then there's mm-hmm. a little bit more of a mixed picture, or less clear picture, you know, in the long term beyond that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't want to get into the stories I've heard because I don't want to, you know glamorize it or, or, or say anything positive or negative or anything because you're right it's an individualized case and it depends on the individual um and what they're doing so yeah yeah and, and keep in mind as i said you know a ch- if a child is exposed to opioids they're oftentimes exposed to multiple alter- multiple mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. Uh, neurotoxins or things that can compromise development and and so right. Uh, it's 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 hard to take lessons from cases, good or bad, happy endings or not so happy endings, because right. realistically, those kinds of cases, you know, there's a lot of things that go into the mix, yeah. uh, and it's seldom a sort of a clean uh, example of oh, this is what happens if someone uses such and such. Yeah, I, I just feel that personally so much more because we, you're so aware when you're pregnant of any everything you're putting in your body, let alone, I mean, God forbid, a drug or something like that. But you know, it's just yeah. it's just an interesting experience, um, you know, to be able to see that that these kids are, you know, they're miracles and they're making it. And so I think it's wonderful that there that there is, um, you know, inspiration out there and that there is these guidebooks and that there is doctors like you that are doing the work and, and conducting the studies and making this uh, not so taboo and putting this discussion out there so that we can all um, be more aware. So I really appreciate well, you being being on with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the opportunity uh, for, for listeners who want to know more about um, yes, the supports please. that are available. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would again just you know encourage them to go to you know raisingyourgrandchild.org and they can uh, get links there to lots of different resources. Um, and then you know the grandparents and others, family members who are helping raise uh, children that uh, have been exposed prenatally to opioids. You know, oftentimes these kids will do very well, and mm-hmm. we know that there are challenges inherent in it, but there are also resources and supports out there. And you know, to all the grandparents and other family members who are helping, and I think they're. You know, they're, they're some of the unsung heroes in terms of the, yes. uh, this opioid epidemic that we have in this country right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and also on top of it all is, is looking for signs. And I mean, there's so much that family members can do to make sure that their, that their, uh, 
children, I want to say kids, but that their children are, that are healthy. And then if they're not, you know, to ask questions to, uh, for me, be nosy to, you know, kind of don't, don't hesitate from asking the hard questions because it could, it could really help somebody, you know, in the long run. Um, can you tell everybody where to find your book and, and how people could get a hold of you if they want to learn more about what you're doing? Um, well, uh, quite simply, probably the cheapest uh, and best way for them to get a copy that would be Amazon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, uh, uh, yeah. Amazon undersells the publisher even. So, yeah, so they can go to, to buy the Grand Family Guidebook. They can go to Amazon. Yeah. If people want to know a little bit more about my professional background, yes. um, then they can just go to my website, uh, andrewaddisman.com. And um, uh, yeah. that will you know, give them a little bit more information about me as well. Okay. And, and you said you, you have some other, um, other, other books coming out or you have other books that were, have been out? Well, I actually, yeah. So, uh, thank you for asking. So the other yeah. book that we had, that Chris and I did together was in a, uh, on adoptive parenting. It's about a 15 year old right. book and, and it's out there, but the book that I think actually might be of interest to you, Erica, and, and of yeah. all parents, um, is a book called Baby Facts, um, and uh, Baby Facts really focuses on 175 different parenting myths, yeah. uh, things that uh, parents think are true and turns out they're not, um, and the irony <laughs> and the backstory behind this book, you're yeah. laughing already, is because my wife and I are both pediatricians, um, we both uh, are recognized as best doctors in New York. Uh, we both went to Ivy League medical schools, and yet, despite our you know wonderful pedigree and the fact that we're celebrated as supposed to be great pediatricians, we both found ourselves subscribing to certain health or parenting <laughs> myths. And you know, yes. I was sort of appalled by the fact that I was subscribed to myths, and uh-huh. I said I've got to get to the bottom of it, and so I wrote a book about it. So for those uh. who are looking for a lighter read, uh, yeah. even for someone like uh, yourself who's has soon to have a baby, uh, Baby yeah. Facts uh, is, a, is a nice read. Wonderful. I'm, I am. I'm going to order one. That's that sounds great. You hear so many, you know, crazy myths and stories and what to do, what not to do. I mean, it's it's just like it's overwhelming. At some point, I just had to say, I'm not I feel good. I have to intuitively go with everything. And that's it. So but one mm-hmm. of these books would yep. be would be really nice to have. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank uh, you right so right. much, Dr. Addisman. Yeah. Thank you for being with me today. You're listening to Rewired Radio on Radio MD. I'm Erica Spiegelman. Thank you all for joining us today and stay well.